Hello, my friends. Michael Youssef here, and I just wanted to thank you for connecting with Leading the Way. Our entire team is wholly committed to passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth of God's Word, and it cannot be done without you. Learn more about what God has charged us to do around the world by clicking around ltw.org. That's ltw.org. Thank you, and may God richly bless you as you seek to serve Him. The Roman god Janus, from which we get the word January, first month of the year. And Janus was considered to be the ancient Roman god of new beginnings. Janus is depicted two faces. One face looks back at the year that passed, and that side of that face bears traces of sorrow, dismay, and perplexity. The other face looks forward to the new year, and that forward-looking face is personified with hope and confidence. This is, of course, superstition and worship of false gods. It's no wonder that each year you find in the secular media they are obsessed or even possessed almost with that spirit of the theme of wanting to look back and look forward and want to look back and look forward. It's a fact that many people make New Year's resolution. But the best statistics that I have read is that 90% of people who make resolutions are forgotten in two weeks' time. I'm not against New Year's resolutions, and I really am not, especially if those are made at the guidance and the leadership and of the Holy Spirit of God, if they're made in confidence in the Lord's power and the Lord's strength to do some great and new things for God. I am not against that at all. God has set times and seasons. He set festivals, and, and all for the purpose of renewal, because God is a God, a renewing God. And the New Testament, however, tells us that we are to renew our minds on a daily basis, not even moment-by-moment basis. It is a continuous renewal. You say, how do you do this? By allowing the Holy Spirit of God to help us to let go of the past— the past sin and the past guilt, by genuine confession of that sin, by genuine repentance of that sin, by allowing the Holy Spirit of God, which is the wind of God. You know, the word ruach in Hebrew actually means spirit, wind, and breath. Same word. And I do pray daily. I said, Lord, let the wind of the Holy Spirit today pull the sails of my life. Guide me this day. Let that wind of the Holy Spirit be the power that pulls me through this day or this week or this month or this year. Here's a problem that most of you will understand because it happens even among God's people, is that they keep on looking back at the past, not so that they may learn to let go of the past, but in order to dwell in the past. Many people keep looking back, and they get caught in that quicksand of the past— the quicksand of sorrow, the quicksand of failure, the quicksand of pain and hurt and anger, or whatever it may be. And yes, they can get caught into the quicksand of past successes. I'm going to talk about this in a minute because just as important not to dwell in past successes as not to dwell on past failures. Have you heard people say, 
talk about the good old days? I always wanted to say, they were not that good. I don't know what glasses you're wearing. Others get caught in dwelling in the past, and literally, by doing so, they create fear and anxiety of the present and the future. Others still, they look back and they get caught in what I call in the paralysis of analysis, and they never move forward. So what is the answer? Well, the Word of God gives us the answer. Thank God the Word of God gives us the answer. It's not, I don't have the answer. I have it in the Word of God. If you turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, and I want to look at verses 13 and 14. But I'm going to translate it like a homespun translation. It's a, I always tell you it's a use of translation, so I promise you it is accurate. <laughs> Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying, and I'm going to put it in context in a minute. Brethren, I count not myself to have made it. I haven't made it yet. <laughs> I haven't reached it yet. But one thing that I do is obviously the one thing that occupies his mind, the one thing that is constantly impacting every aspect of his life. The one thing I do is I forget those things that are in my past, and I strain forward, I mean strenuously, hard, I strain forward to the future. I press hard toward the goal or the finishing line, the prize, of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Listen carefully. Here's what he's saying. Rather than dwelling in the past, whether it is failure or success, makes no difference, by all means, learn from the past and don't live in it. By all means, let the past propel you forward, not pull you back. By all means, glean lessons from the past, but don't bask in it. In fact, the Apostle Paul's lesson to all of us, and your pastor is included, forgetting or letting go of the past and striving forward with every energy, with every ounce of energy that I have toward the future, should not be one of many things that we do, but should be the one thing that impacts everything that we do. An old-time preacher used to say, the Apostle Paul said, one thing I do. The average Christian today says, there are 20 things I dabble in. I couldn't agree more. Why is that the one thing for the Apostle Paul that he focuses on, that he allows it to be the driving force for all his decisions, for all his lifestyle? Why is that the one thing that he pushes for? Now, think with me, okay? I'm going to explain to you why. Because I know you agree that the Apostle Paul single-handedly accomplished more for the work of God, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, than anybody else, including the twelve disciples who walked and lived with Jesus for three years. Right? He did. Keep thinking with me, okay? I'm getting somewhere. If Paul was like many of us who tends to live in the past— if he allowed his past sins to haunt him, if he allowed his past blaspheming of the name of Jesus to weigh him down, if he constantly lived with the past guilt of persecuting Christians, 
to be heavy on his heart, if he continuously allowed that vision in his mind, which was very visual to him, of standing there holding the clothes of Stephen, the very first Christian martyr, and he was there literally participating. He was there watching his last stone that came and hit him, and it ended his life. Just think about this. If he allowed that vision to continue in his life, he would be living in nightmares day in and day out. He would have been totally paralyzed from doing anything that's worthwhile. He would have been prevented from doing what he did in the power of God, and that has impacted the whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only in his day, but even to this day. But he also knew that the forgetfulness of the past, or letting go of the past, or moving forward from the past— or letting the sin of the past go by, or being cleansed from the horrors of the past, whatever they may be. He knew that this only can take place because of God's forgiveness. Beloved, please listen to me. (laughs) When sin or sins are confessed, when sin or sins are repented of, when sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, it must be forgotten. You say, how can I erase it from my memory? I'm going to show you. (laughs) I want to show you how it works. Every time you are reminded of your past sins of which you confessed and repented of, you immediately remind yourself that you are forgiven, that those sins are forgotten by God. I was thinking about letting go of the past, and I thought many years ago the Italians have invented a very special way of letting go of the past. And they had a custom. As that midnight stroke approaches, the streets are cleared of people, they're cleared of cars, and even policemen run for shelter. Why? Because at the stroke of midnight, the windows are opened, and every member of the family tosses out all the detested ornaments or crockeries or even the furniture, just came flying out at midnight. Anything in their possession that reminded them of something negative in the past, they tossed it out. They ripped it out of their mind and tossed it out in the streets. Now some of you are saying, where is Michael going with this profound piece of trivia? (laughs) More of a spiritual and biblical level, it is not enough to let go of the past. I remember the words of Jesus when He said, talks about the man who repented of his sins or turned away from them, but then he never allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and fill that empty place in his life. And the Bible said that devil, when he leaves and he comes back and he looks at the heart and he sees the heart still not occupied by the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He brings seven others with him. And therefore, it's worse. And so, it is not enough to just let go of the past because that could be a very dangerous place. But your mind, your heart, your memory, your spirit must be refilled in those empty places that have been forgotten and forgiven. How? By continuously filling your mouth with praise and the promises of God. By continuously feeding your mind on the promises of God of forgiveness and renewal. By continuously allowing your thoughts to dwell on the love of God. By continuously allowing your thoughts to dwell on the grace of God and the mercy of God. Let me repeat. It is not enough to just try to forget the past. 
but you strain forward. And you see that in the formula. He says, that's what he was doing. He said, not only I let go of the past, but I strain forward. With every ounce of energy, I strain forward toward the future. And I believe the image here that the Apostle Paul gives us is the image of a marathon runner. He lived in all the Greek culture, and they were everywhere, in Corinth and Athens. Everywhere he went, marathon running was a big deal. And I think that's the image that he has in his mind here, because a serious marathon runner cannot afford one-second delay, because a one-second delay can mean the difference between winning and losing. And so the runner does not waste one second of time looking to the right or looking to the left. He may glance as you see how far he is from his opponent. He cannot afford a second of delay looking at the sky, admiring the blue sky. He can't afford that. He cannot afford looking down to the ground and see what's going on, how the council taking care of these potholes. He has to keep his eye where? On the finishing line. He keeps his thoughts on that coming trophy. He keeps his attention squarely on that finishing line. Now, I believe the Apostle Paul has a very clear objective here, and it's to all of us, including your pastor. How to face an uncertain future. I believe that was all that. That's the intention of that verse here. And I think most people, in their honest moment, when they really kind of come clean with God, most people are apprehensive about the future. Different things plague different people. In fact, that is why they look back and they stay back, because they're apprehensive about the future. The truth is this. Listen carefully. Most people are anxious about something in the future, whether it be about their children and children's future, whether it be about the economy of how it's going to fare next year, or, or the jobs, uh, whether they still have a job, or health, or the, the uh, financial security, and the list goes on and on and on. And I want you to hear me right, because uncertainty about the future plagues a lot of people. It really does. But listen to me. For the child of God who has placed his or her complete trust in Jesus Christ need not be afraid of the future. And one of the reasons and one of the keys to do that is to let go of the past. There is nothing that will happen to you which is not already foreseen by your heavenly Father. God sees the future as a present reality. And God said, I knew you before you were formed in the womb. He knows you when you were a little baby. He knows you when He knows what happens before it happens. So question, how do you face uncertain future? By trusting that the same God, the same Heavenly Father, who protected you in the past with all of its grief and pain and joy, the one who took care of you of the past, He is going to take care of the present and the future. Amen? And that is why Paul said, I press forward. I strain mightily forward. I strenuously. I'm I'm putting every energy in this. Doing what? Keeping his eyes on the end of the race. If you train yourself to keep your thoughts on the finishing line, those of you who hear me long enough to know, is what I call the audience of one. Every one of us is going to have that audience of one. Keep your eyes on the finishing line. Keep your eyes 
on that audience of one. And when you keep your eye on this finishing line, when you keep your eye on the prize, you're not going to waste your time as you're running on the trash that you see along the road. But think, Paul said, all of the great honors that he accomplished and achieved, he calls them trash. Actually, worse than that, but (laughs) he's not going to focus on the trash, no matter how valuable in the eyes of the world it may be. You are not going to stop to entertain the spectators. So I talk to them. How are you? Hey, how am I doing? Yeah. And get praise from the crowd. No, 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 no. Let them go. (laughs) You're not going to stop for a moment to try to fix the pothole in the streets. That's the problem of the municipal council. You're not going to look up and become a stargazer. Or you focus total attention. You'll be running, looking at the guy on the left and then the person on the right. You're going to stumble. (laughs) You're going to fall. No. When you are pressing strenuously toward the goal You're not going to waste your time on trivia. You're not going to waste your time on things that are passing. You're not going to waste your time on losses of things. They're things. You're not going to waste your time on your critics. They will always be there. You're not going to waste your time on your detractors. They will always be there. Or those who hate you for whatever their reason may be. Paul said, no, I refuse to do this, but the one thing I do, I keep pressing to the finishing line. I keep pressing to the finishing line. Someone said, if you aim at nothing, you will most surely hit it. I couldn't agree more. Beloved, your finish line, my finish line, is that audience of one I'm telling you about on that final day. Therefore, Don't look at the past. It's already been forgiven. It's under the blood of Jesus. It's like Corey Tim Boom used to say, Jesus has thrown your sins into the deepest sea, and you better not go fishing for them. Don't look to the sideline. Put blinders on. Refuse to look back, because if you do, you're going to stumble. Most certainly you're going to stumble, and you're going to fall. In Luke chapter 9, verse 61, the Lord Jesus tells something that is really very similar to what Paul is saying here. And you say, well, where did Paul get his idea? He got it from Jesus. Remember, he spent years trying to learn what did Jesus say. He probably debriefed the writers of the Gospels before they wrote the stuff down. He was anxious to know everything that Jesus said or did. And he was listening to James. He was listening to the other apostles, disciples. Paul learned this stuff from Jesus. And so Luke said that Jesus told three men to follow him. I'm not going to focus on all of them, just one. (laughs) Follow me. But this man said, oh yeah, I will follow you, but let me go first home and say goodbye to my family. Reasonable request, don't you think? You agree? Yeah, it's a reasonable request. But Jesus, who knew all things, Jesus, who knew all hearts, Jesus, who knew all motives, said to him, No! No one who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God, is fit for the service of God. Oh, isn't that a bit harsh? Yeah, our political correct society is, Jesus is very harsh. Really? No. 
See, the plow is pulled by a strong and wild ox. If you are not holding that thing with every ounce of your attention and energy, you know, you're going to really be dead meat. You take your eye off that ox, and it could literally crush you. Controlling and managing of that ox that is pulling the plow should be a total forward-looking and complete concentration. Listen to me, please. Our Lord knew that this particular man is prone to look back and stay back. Our Lord knew that this particular man, if he had not moved swiftly, he will never succeed. Beloved, listen, I know and you know that many of us want to go back to the past, whatever the past may be. And Jesus is saying what Paul is teaching us today, namely, please, 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 whatever you do, strain forward. Can I get an amen? Amen. Please, whatever you do, don't look back. Don't go back. Don't waste your time on the past. Whatever, if it's regard to past failures or past successes or past wrong judgments or past wrong decisions that you have made or past wrong choices or past wrong action, strain forward. Strive forward. And the Bible gives us many examples of those who have looked back and stayed back. Demas was a companion of the Apostle Paul. But he went back. And Paul said he loved the present age. John Mark, though later on, accomplished great things. But in the early days of his ministry, he went with Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. But he got cold feet. He got homesick. And he said, I want to go home. And Paul said, you go home. You ain't going to be with me again. (laughs) I wonder how many of us today and it's between you and God, that you caught in what I call the retrospective glance. Only you know. Only you know. Not long ago, I read a story about a man by the name of Pliny L. Wingo. True story. Mr. Wingo was born in Abilene, Texas in 1895. Mr. Wingo hold one of the strangest world records anybody ever held. I mean, one of the strangest. He was the greatest exponent of reverse pedestrianism. Pedestrianism. You say, what is that? Simply means walking backward. That's what it means. (laughs) Mr. Wingo made an 8,000 miles transcontinental walk, walking backward. The entire 8,000 miles between April 15, 1931 and October 24, 1932, Mr. Winger walked backward from Santa Monica, California, all the way to Istanbul, Turkey. Amazing. In 1975, Mr. Winger celebrated the 45th anniversary of that walk, and he covered 552 miles walking backward from Santa Monica to San Francisco. By that time, he was 81 years old. And so, it took him 85 days. He did it all with a special set of glasses. I wonder what happened to those glasses that helped him to see as he walked backward. Now, again, when I reflected on this profound piece of trivia, 
I really decided that there is a spiritual lesson here. <laughs> there are some who cannot focus on the future. They really are. There are some who are not able to strain forward toward the goal. Why? Because they are committed to looking backward. They really are. The two are connected. Just to examine what I'm saying and reflect on it today. When the great apostle Paul said, forgetting what lays behind, it means forgetting everything. Everything in past that is evil, everything that is questionable, everything that is improper, everything that is sinful, everything that is hurtful, everything that he's ever done in his hall of life that is displeasing to the Lord, everything. But not only that, he also talks about every achievement in the past. Are you with me? Say amen. Because there's some people said, ah, oh, look what I did back then. And they stay there. They stay there. And they're strain forward. Sometimes, my beloved friends, past successes can hamper us just as much as past failures. Please, I want you to hear me right in this one. Whatever your past, you must deliberately and definitively Bring it and throw it in the deepest sea, for that's exactly what God did with them. But there's more. There's more. In fact, there's a whole lot more I want to say on the subject, but I've got a limited time. You need to be willing to burn past bridges. These bridges that constantly beckoning you to come back to the old territories that you have walked away from a long time ago, or maybe just a short time ago. Burn the bridges. Say it with me. One of the most encouraging stories that ministers to me from the Scripture is what the prophet Elisha did. Elisha is different from Elijah, and a lot of people confuse the two. Elisha. Can you say that with me? Elisha. Elisha was called by his predecessor, the prophet Elijah. He called of God to come and succeed him in a prophetic call. Elisha was a farmer. He was farming a small piece of land when the prophet Elijah called him to follow him. And then Elijah, if you remember, he was propelled into heaven. He did not die. 1919, 1 Kings. When Elisha heeded the call of God in his life, he did something amazing. Something amazing. In order to burn all of his bridges to the past, in order to avoid being pulled back to the old life, he held a big barbecue, big party, big barbecue, invited his neighbors and his friends, and anybody would come at this barbecue. And he barbecued the ox that he was using in his farm. And you say, where did the fire come from? The fire came from the wooden implements that hung on the ox and pulled the plow. He put that and the fire and got a barbecue going. Everything that held him to the past, gone. Burned, consumed. The bridges, all bridges of the past were gone. I believe with all my heart this is what the Lord Jesus had in mind here when he said to this man, 
No one who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the service of God. I want to ask you some questions, and I want you to answer me aloud. Do you want to do great things for the Lord in the coming year? Do you want to be used of God mightily, in a mighty way somehow in the coming year? Do you want to live in victory? Do you want to be set free from whatever the past may be? Begin by burning your past bridges. All the bridges that keep taking you back to the old territories that are unpleasing to the Lord, burn them today. Literally. Literally. Elisha not only was willing to accept the call of God, but he burnt the bridges that connected him to the past life. And you know what? God performed almost twice as many miracles through Elisha that he did through Elijah. My beloved... If it is gold that is keeping you from straining forward toward God's goal for your life, cut the golden chain. If it's a sense of reputation that is holding you back, become a nobody for Christ's sake. If it is pride of your own wisdom, you must be willing to become a fool for Jesus. If it is a devotion to pleasure, then you must be willing to sacrifice it and keep on sacrificing it to Christ. If it is an unwholesome relationship that does not belong in your life, then you must firmly, decisively walk away from that relationship. Whatever bridges that are holding you back and constantly beckoning you to come back, burn them today. 